0: Morning uh, is going to be a little different. I hope that's okay. I'm going to I'm going to share with you some some uh, some information. Uh, It'll probably be a one week message. I don't know. We'll see how the Lord speaks through uh, through me throughout the week. But this might be what it is. But I, I'm very passionate about um, getting to a destination. How many ever travel somewhere and and it's important to find the quickest route. Aren't you thankful for Google on your phone if you use it? Yeah. <laughs> It, it helps you find the quickest route. Coming home, we were in Tennessee this week. I had board meetings this, this week in Tennessee for the region this time. And then we had a two-day pastor's retreat. Um, coming home, I tell you what, I'm so thankful for, for, you know, Google getting me home, those, those Google Maps, because we saw a lot of red. If you use that, you know what I'm talking about. You see that dark red on the interstate, and you're like, uh-oh. And uh, so, thankfully, you know, in the old days when we brought out the map, the the book in your car that was, you know, big and uh, the rammick now, it didn't show you all the traffic jams. Because uh, getting home, there's, there's one destination. And my point in this is, as a church, there are many ways to get to a destination. But how many know we, if the Holy Spirit is in the thing, he will show us the greatest destination to get to a point, to get to a goal. Amen. And we have a destination in this church. We have a destination to make disciples. Amen. How many believe that? That is our number one goal. That's something that we should always make a priority is making disciples, winning the lost and making disciples. Now, there are many ways to get to that. But we have a, we have a, a climate in our culture right now that is interesting and I want to say challenging I I like to say I don't like to use the word "it's a barrier." I like to say that there are obstacles because how many know a barrier is something that stops you, an obstacle is something that you can get over or get around. Amen. And so we have a a culture and a generation that presents obstacles, but with the Holy Spirit, all things are possible, and it's just an obstacle. And I want to say this as we as I speak this message this morning about the theme is Houston. We have a problem. Actual, the actual real thing that they said is, Houston, we have had a problem, but we'll say we, we have a problem. I want you to keep in mind that God is doing a great thing across the earth right now. There are, there are the, the most people in history are coming to Jesus Christ more than ever before. More than ever before. And I do a lot of research and a lot of study and a lot of reading about this. And so, number one, we have more people that are alive than ever before. We have the largest population ever, but also there are, there are revivals sweeping across the nation, and we need to keep that in mind. But here in the United States, I guess it's fair to say that we have a problem with certain issues. Uh-oh is right. So would you go ahead and show that first clip? And we're going to be seeing a few movie clips today from this movie, Apollo 13. All right. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but they made it very clear. They're the Apollo 11 mission that you saw right there—they were uh, 200,000 miles away from home, and they were in a small capsule. Three, three men in this very small confined place. If you're claustrophobia, if you have claustrophobia, do not become an astronaut. I don't know if that's on your bucket list, but maybe. But back in the 1960s, how many were alive in the 1960s? I guess I got to put my hand down because I was not. And, and I want to also say, just a little, a little insert here, thank you for the birthday cards and the birthday notes and the, and the, and the blessings. I, I appreciate that so much. I found out that I'm actually three years younger than Scooby-Doo, so I feel good. Scooby, <laughs> Scooby-Doo is celebrating his 50th birthday, and I'm like, you know what? Scooby-Doo still seems young, right? So if he's, he's 50, I'm 47, I don't feel so bad, so thank you. But if you were alive in the 1960s, uh, you you probably remember the 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 race to get to the moon, and you had the race to get to the moon. Uh, really, it was mostly the United States and the Soviet Union at that time, and there was this this race to get to the moon. Matter of fact, the first mission Apollo One did not go so well. If you remember, before they even really did their 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 their, their run to the moon, they did a practice run, and there was a fire, and all three astronauts died in that fire. So that's how it started. Uh, tragically but by Apollo 8 they finally made their first mission to orbit the moon and then eventually Apollo 11 which most of us are more familiar with is when they landed on the moon Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed on the moon in 1969 towards the end of that year so it took 11 Apollo missions and we found that six missions made it to the moon Apollo 11 Apollo 12 Apollo 14, 15, 16, 17, and you probably noticed there is one that is missing, and that is Apollo 13. That is exactly what that video was from, was from Apollo 13. Two days into the mission, the oxygen tank failed. And so when the oxygen tank failed, they were stirring it. They were pushing a button to stir the tank. When that tank failed, what happened was they only had enough oxygen for two people, and there were three in the capsule. And the two, the, the oxygen that was there for two would not even be enough to get them back home. So clearly they had a problem. But one of the things that I love about this movie and what I love about God, I think we can apply it to our lives, is one of the things that was spoken as, as back at NASA when they got this report that there was a problem. They could have panicked. They could have, they could have, you know, uh, given up. But what they said, they said, failure is not an option. Church, we have some problems in America, don't we? But how we know the church is the greatest solution to those problems? And failure is not an option, ever. And so we, we, we hear these reports, we see these stories, but then we begin to say, the church is the solution. We're the solution because Jesus is in us, amen, and he is the solution, so we have to remember that as we see this. So what's so interesting is these, these, these men and these women who are working at NASA thought we do have a problem, but we have to put our brains together. We have to think of a way to get these three boys home. I'm going to go ahead and show the second clip at this time is this is kind of their answer to the problem. All right, so we have to fix it, don't we? We have to find a way to put this square peg in a round hole, and how many know we can do that? Amen. I'm excited about what's going to be spoken here this morning and what's happening at our church. Judges chapter two. We're going to read there, and then we're going to. I'm going to give you some information this morning, and uh, we're going to go through this thing. Judges chapter two. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, now they've made it to the Promised Land. And they went to take possession of the land, each of their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him, who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Amen. Isn't that a great generation right there? They served the Lord throughout their lifetime. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath. Harris, Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord or what he had done for Israel. So something happened between those generations where they stopped telling the stories. They stopped living the faith. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Asherthes. I hope I said that correctly. But what we're seeing here is a, is a, is a demonstration of a generation that served the Lord that did right in his eyes, but then the next generation and the next, they, they began to forget who the Lord was. And so we have to be very uh, practical this morning and realizing that each generation has had a part in it. It's easy to blame, you know, the youngest generation. I'm going to do a little thing this morning. I want you to lift your hand. I'm going to ask what generation you're from. Some of you don't even know that your generation has a name. Some of you might know it. Uh, but we're first, let's start, let, let's start with the... Uh, Let's say the most seasoned generation. How's that? How's that sound? I like to call this generation the elder generation. It's also known as the silent generation. There's a lot of names for it. But for you, who, who in this room is 73 years or older? 73 years or older. Okay, that's probably about eh, maybe 15, 20% of our church. All right, how about uh, we have boomers? Anybody in this room that is between the age of 54 and 72? You are a boomer. Are you proud of being a boomer? Boomers are, boomers are born after, you know, World War II. Then we have Generation X. That's the generation that I preside in. Generation X, you are between the age of 35 and 53. Gen X. We actually, so far, we are almost an equally divided church, which is really good. Very good. Millennials. I want to see all the millennials. You are between the ages of 20 and 34. Sorry, Vincent, you're not a millennial. (laughs) Millennials between the ages of 20 and 34. Let me see your hands again. Okay. Now, this next category, a lot of this category is over there in that room. This is what we know as Gen Z. Gen Z is between the ages of 2 to 19. Actually, it's now about three or four. That's been pushed up a little bit. All the Gen Z's. All right. We got quite a few right here in this room. And then there's probably another 10 over there. Then all the babies, would you please stand up? They actually, we actually are in in a new generation right now called, oh, thank you. We have two, they're big babies. They need a diaper change. But that, that, that generation right now is called alpha generation. So I guess they're starting over with the Greek alphabet or something like that. That is the new. And so what happens though is the, 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 the reason why generations change so quickly and they're, they're more and more rapid is because they are based off things like information and technology and things like that. The accessible uh, um, things that, you know, the whole world now has access to the same thing. So we are seeing generations Come and go a lot quicker. Now I want to show you a couple things. If you have that first slide, it's about one of the things that we're seeing in the church is Bible engagement. It's called Bible engagement profiles. I want you to take a look at this because Barna did this research on people who who um, make the Bible the the center of their life. And let's look at this: people who are Bible centered. Five percent of the population interact with the Bible frequently. And they say it is transforming their relationships and shaping their choices. Let's just all say in this room that we're all Bible-centered people. Amen? Amen. That it, it is the center, it's your guide, it's your it's your GPS. The next one is Bible engaged. 90% of the population interact with the Bible frequently. It is transforming their relationship with God and others. So that's also very good. So we have 24% of the population. L- really have the Bible as the, as the main source of information in their life. Now, 19% in the middle is Bible-friendly. People interact with the Bible consistently. This is also good. It may be a source of spiritual insight and wisdom. Now we get down to the last two. 9% are Bible-neutral, interact with the Bible sporadically. It has little spiritual influence, but that influence may be growing. I wish that number was a little bigger because it's a positive at the end. But then the last one is the alarming one, 48% uh, Bible disengaged, interact with the Bible infrequently, if at all, it has minimal impact on their lives. So we're seeing a shift in the Bible being the main source of of influence in people's lives. Okay, let's go to the next screen. Um, I said this would be a little different this morning, and it is, but I think it's important to understand these things before we get into the meat of the message Uh, When it comes to giving, I thought this was very interesting because you'll find the people who are Bible-centered are also the ones who are most likely to give to charitable or nonprofit uh, uh, um, ministries, um, events, and things of that sort. And so what we find here is the average American gives um, around $500 a year to nonprofit, okay? Uh, But you'll see see all the – I'm sorry, it's $100, $100. The person who is Bible-centered gives $1,000 of their money towards a nonprofit organization. Obviously, the church is part of the nonprofit missions and so forth. And then the numbers go down. Engage, 600. Friendly, 300. Neutral, 100. Disengage, 20. And the skeptic, that's pretty sad, isn't it? They give $5 a year. I don't think you can be a Christian. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But how many know it's really hard if you have... The joy of the Lord is our strength. And if you have the joy you want to give, amen? That would be really hard to give $5 to missions, to nonprofit, to organizations, to church, and all these things. So we see a, a major change. When people do not make the Bible the center of their life, they tend to not give. They tend to be pretty stingy. All right. This next one is pretty also alarming, and I'm going to give you all these alarming numbers because we do have a problem. I said, Houston, we have a problem. This is some of the proof. Let's go to the next one, and we'll see that, that this is a, a, a poll called, it's a little smaller, but the rise of churchlessness, people who are churchless in America. There's a really good book called Churchless, and I suggest if you are wanting to know more about this, take a look at this, this, this book called Churchless. Uh, in the 1990s, about 2 out of 10 adults were churchless. Attend no church at all. In the early 2000s, it was 3 out of 10. Today, the churchless population makes up about half of the U.S. Popula- population. So we went from 20% in the 1990s to almost 50% uh, today. 49 is actually the number we're going to look at. But oh, it's right there on, the, on top. So 49% are actively involved in church. They attend church at least once a month. So I would have to say that probably qualifies everybody in this, in this room. Uh, 8% attends church, attend church infrequently and unpredictably. And then at the second half on this part of the screen, 33% are de-churched. That's the number I want to really focus on de church means they were in church, but they left the church. And we're going to see some numbers in a minute that are even more staggering. And then 10% are purely unchurched, do not currently have or never have attended a church. How many can look at these numbers and say, we have a problem? We're seeing that many people leave the church. We have a problem. And I always like to say, I said this earlier, I don't want to be part of something that was. We are part of something that is. And God is still on the move. Amen. God is still saving people. There are are record numbers of people coming to Christ around the earth. So it's not all gloom and doom. It's not like, well, God's not moving anymore. Actually, it's the opposite. In the last days, I will what? Pour out my spirit on all flesh. So God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. I do not want to be the generation that followed Joshua's generation and just to forget about God and not to teach the next generation about God. You remember, as we think about our culture, we have to remember this thought. And I actually have a a, a picture for this about this quote from the Bible about what Jesus said. If you can put that up. Jesus said, I want you right in the middle of it, but not what? Of it. And so that's that's what the thing is. Jesus said, I want you in the middle of it, but not of it. So the word in is your location. How many know you can't always help your location? We are in the world. You will be in things. You will be pl- at places. And that's a good thing. God wants us to, to be out there where, where the people who need to know Jesus are. Amen. We can't just always live in our own bubble. He said you will be in the middle of it but not of it. Of, of it means your decisions and actions are influenced by the world and the culture more than they are influenced by the word of God. Amen. So we have to understand that we are in the world but we are not of the world. And so that first slide I showed you about the Bible engagement said that 48% of the, of the population do not even open their Bible, basically. So clearly, if that is the case, 50% of the population have chosen to be in the world and to be of the world. And how do we know, as a believer, there has to be a separation of the two. Amen? There's no other way. You can't... You can't do both. You can't have both, both things there. All right. I believe I have one more slide that I find interesting. I hope you will too. This one is the increase in church dropouts. This one is very staggering. In 2011, 59% of U.S. adults ages 18 to 29, so that's millennials, 59% were dropping out of church. That's a huge number. Houston, we have a problem, don't we? Now, in 2019, that number is up to 64 percent. 64 percent of people who grow up in church are dropping out around the age of of starting college. Houston, we have a problem. If you ever wonder why we we at this church, we always talk about uh, uh, doing reaching young young people and about discipling. If you wonder why we have so many young people on our stage, we are we've been very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, intentional on doing certain things to make sure we have a place in this church for young people. And I want to say I thank you as your pastor for 10 and a half years. I am so thankful that when I go to conferences, I've been at these, I was at meetings last week and I was at meetings this week. I am so thankful that I can sit in these meetings and I hear some horror stories. I'm not kidding. I hear stories from pastors who pour out their heart, who say, we're trying to do these things, but there's this resistance against it. And I'm so thankful, and I mean this, that I sit there and I say, at my church, I haven't had that resistance. And I want to thank you, every generation that raised your hand today, I believe that we have full support in this church that we have to do something to reach the next generation. Amen? Amen. To reach every generation. And I believe that we are in this together. It's not a, well, what about me mentality, it's about What about the lost mentality? And what about the 64% that are leaving church? And there are a lot of reasons why they're leaving the church. Here's the good news in all that. Of that 64%, we are also seeing by the age of 25 that many of those 64% are coming back. Amen? So we say, Lord, bring back the orphans, bring back the prodigals. But they're going back to healthy churches. They're going back to churches, so they are coming back. But they're leaving the churches that, that are, are religious or that don't have a place for them. And they're going to find churches where they have a place, where they have a voice, and where they can find encouragement from older generations. And so I believe that we have every generation this church represented very well today. And I thank you that every generation plays a part in turning this thing around. Amen? That when you see that young person leading something or giving a word, I encourage you to encourage them because it will encourage you. All right. How we know without the Holy Spirit what we what we say might sound good but it won't change the culture. We have to have a move of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes. I do have one more. I got one more. I am throwing a bunch of grass at you today. I know. You, it's hard to take notes on this stuff too. Unless you're Dustin who's an amazing artist. He can <laughs> All right. Last one. Faith identity by generation. This will show you that it's every generation. This doesn't show Gen Z on it, but this one is a couple. Of, it's 2019, you'll see from Barna, but they haven't done the latest research. But of this generation, um, interesting that 83% of the elder generation consider themselves Christian. You probably, you, I find it interesting, if you ever do some study, you'll find that the majority of our nation says they're Christian. But if you watch you know, any of the media, if you see what's going on in our culture and you see everything going on, how many know that it, it seems a lot less than 80-plus percent of our, our nation is Christian? What happens, so we have people who are self-identified Christians, but the practicing ones is the one to look at. Practicings, they're practicing. They're in the Word. They're involved in church. They're giving. All those things I showed you, it makes them a practicing Christian, right? That you, they will know us by our fruit, They're they're serving in missions and so on like that. So we see 37 down to 22% of millennials are practicing Christians. Church, we have a problem, don't we? But we have a mission here at this church. I'm going to give you a mission statement, and then I'm going to break down some scripture. One more slide. Harvest Land Church, a mission to reach and utilize a new generation. Our mission is to empower a new generation of leaders to build community. Network and equip them to engage in the cause of Christ. I love that, the cause of Christ. It means that we have a cause. We, we are, we're not just gathering for, for fellowship, but we are a, a cause. And encourage them to contribute their gifts to implement growth. Lead the church and lead in the church and influence culture. Amen. That is our mission statement as far as reaching Gen Z, Alpha Generation, and Millennials as a church. Let's go to Isaiah. Thank you for bearing with me in all those graphs, and I hope this will all come together. Isaiah chapter 36. This story is maybe some, familiar to some of you, but I think it's appropriate with what I'm talking about today as we assimilate our, we put together a game plan for reaching a generation and, and recovering. Isaiah 36, verse 1. And we're going to read two verses real f- at the beginning here. Now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. The king of Assyria sent Rabshika with a great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. And he stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to Fuller's Field. So, stop right there. The King of Assyria has come to Jerusalem with the intent to capture the city, to um, take the people captive. Now, if you remember, if you read back to chapter 18 in Isaiah, he's already taken the children of Israel. He's already taken the children of Israel as captive, and he's enslaved them for for his own purposes. So, But now he's come back and he said, this time I'm taking the whole city. Remember, he's already taken, is, he's taken Israel now and he's come back to take Jerusalem and the whole city. Okay. So he sends his servant, Rabshika. And he, and he says to them in their language, he says, you need to give up. Let me ask you something. Have you ever heard that voice in your head, you need to give up? The enemy will come, and whatever language, whatever thing he knows is your fear, whatever weakness he knows that you have, he will speak that to you, he'll say, you need to give up. And church, I believe that there's some... Maybe there's some churches or some people who, who just feel like, you know what? There's no way to reach this generation. There's no way to impact this generation. There's no way. And they've almost given up on their, own, on their own belief system. But how many know that God is for us? He's not against us. And we serve a mighty God who is strong in battle. And with God, all things are possible. And we should never, ever, ever give up on God. Amen? I don't ever give up on God or people. How many you know that's hard to do sometimes? It's very hard sometimes that you see things posted, you hear things, you know things, but it's hard. Sometimes it, our, our flesh wants to give up on someone, but the Spirit of God that lives inside us says, Do not give up on that young person or that parent or that marriage or that relationship. Amen? Amen. And that's, what, that's what's missing. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for a place that they can belong and go back to. So the king sends Rapshika, his servant, and he actually taunts them with things like, he says, like, here's what we'll do. Your army is so weak. We'll actually give you 2,000 horses. And we'll give you 2,000 of our men and we'll put them on. And even if we give you all this, you'll still lose. You'll still lose even if we give you a bunch of people from our own army. He's basically saying, like, you have no way out. You might, you might as well just give up because you're not going anywhere. And how many know the enemy is a liar? And a lot of times he'll convince us we should just give up. I've been reading the Bible for two months, Pastor, and nothing's changed. I feel like giving up. I did that fasting thing you asked, and, and nothing really happened. How many know the enemy wants us to give up on a thing? We do not realize the seeds that are being planted in our lives when we live in obedience. And I don't know what the devil's ever told you, but he's told me many times, you need to give up, you need to stop, you need to... And, and it's, it's knowing that voice. Listen, if we are led by the Spirit, we will quickly identify that voice and say, that is not of God. Amen? That is, and that's why we need the Holy Spirit to infiltrate our minds and our lives. Because he gives us that spirit of discernment. Come on, we have a culture of people who are lacking that discernment. And we're seeing people, that, that number dropping from people who are Bible engaged. And this gives us that discernment that when we hear something or we, or we think something, we can identify that that is not of God. But on the flip side, how many know when you're full of the Spirit, you can also hear the voice of the Lord. He can say, I am for you. You got this. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Amen. When we sang songs this morning, a lot of our songs are about overcoming God will help us overcome the darkness. And and God is for us. We need to engage in the word because that voice will come. And I love the response of Hezekiah. He should be preaching this sermon today. Wouldn't that be cool? And, And I love... What he says, that the Bible says when he heard the report, it's hopeless. They're coming back. They're going to take the city. They already have a lot of the children. They, they, what the Bible says is that he went into the house of the Lord. Say that with me. He went into the house of the Lord. Where do you turn when things come against you? I don't know about you, but I went to the altar. I want to run to the altar. I want to spend time alone with God. I want to run to the Bible. I want to run to prayer. I also run to men and women of God that I know that I know are prayer warriors. Amen. When things rise up in my life, I run right to them. We actually had an opportunity to, to sit around a table at our pastor's conference here. And, and at that table were two leaders. One of them was Tom Rupley. Some of you know Tom. And we had, each of us were given an opportunity to share our, one of our greatest hurts in, in, in life or ministry so we all were sharing and, and it was kind of sad because quite a few, the, one of the pastors, he was like, you know, I, I feel very alone. And, 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 and it's Pastor Glenn, and we, we poured into him, and we just tried to pray over him. And I shared some things in my life that I've gone through, but it was a blessing because I was like, you know, there was a time I remember I called Pastor Tom, and, and he just encouraged me. And I said, Tom, I can remember where I was when I came to you with my, I was feeling very um, overwhelmed, is the right word? just in, in life and as a parent and husband and so on. And I said, Tom, I remember the day I was at your your, your church fair and you were standing there and, and I don't remember what you said. But I remember that you were there for me. And I, I remember that it was kind of like, well, how many know when we come to the house of the Lord, we, we know that God is here for us. And, and we know we can count on people, but we can always count on the Lord, Amen. When I have issues, I run to the Lord. I pray that when you have issues, you will what? Run to the Lord. But what's sad is a lot of people run away. A lot of people flee, or they don't run to the Lord. And I believe there's a generation mindset that's changed. I believe maybe the older generations, you might, you might be able to say, I remember what you're talking about. When there was an issue, the church would be full, the altars would be full. But we don't see that as much anymore. So we, we, we run sometimes and sometimes we hide or we're, we have shame. Hezekiah runs to the house of the Lord. Isaiah 37, verse 1, and it was when King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes. Now, that would be a sight if somebody came into the church and they just, you know, incredible, hawked it. Covered himself with sackcloth and he went to the house of the Lord. But what this demonstrates to me is he was taking off the old clothes and he's putting on the clothes of praise. How I many know when we come into the house of the Lord, we might be covering all, covered with all kinds of stuff, but we, we, we put on the garments of praise, amen? We put on the garments of praise. And you say, God, I'm, I'm covered with shame. You might come in here today with, with things you're going through. Maybe you're struggling with a sin, but you say, God, I'm ready to tear off the old. And God, I want you to cover me, amen? And I cover myself with the garments of praise, when we do praise and worship, it is no joke. Praise and worship is not, love. let's just do four songs, and the band sounds good, and I'm proud of them. And, I, and no, how many know, we are doing warfare, and there might be somebody here today that their life is being turned around. We don't know what people are going through. Just this week, very sad, very sad report came out of a church in California, Pastor Greg Laurie. I don't know if you know Greg Laurie. He is... Billy Graham actually said that he will be the one who who follows him in his ministry. So he has this huge uh, uh, stadium. He did one at Anaheim Stadium where the Angels play. He did this service, like a Billy Graham-style service. His name is Pastor Greg Laurie. He has a great church. I follow him. Pastor Greg has one of his pastors in the church who suffers from severe depression. It's known. It's been documented. He's preached about it. He leads a class about it. Last Sunday, they had a baptismal service Hundreds of people were baptized. This pastor was part of it. He was baptizing people. His two young kids. And the story goes, that I believe it was on Tuesday, he took his own life. This ordained minister, young pastor, very successful in the ministry. How many know we never know what people are going through? Never know. When I was walking through the airport a couple weeks ago, I literally had like two hours to kill and if you, ever, if you ever sit there and watch people, it's pretty interesting. Come on, somebody, amen. I was at the Renaissance Festival yesterday. You see all kinds of stuff. <laughs> but I was at the airport and I was watching people. But literally that thought crossed through my mind. I kind of like pictured a bubble over each one of their heads. And I wondered, what are they going through? Rejection, loss, anxiety, depression, stress. I mean, you know, you start seeing that God sees people, and we need to see people. We need to see a generation of people who need hope. Amen? We need to make sure that we ask those questions and that we're there for people. Hezekiah was overwhelmed with, uh, I'm sure, this report, but it says that he went into the house of the Lord. He put on his royal robes, his sackcloth, his prayer robe, his garment of praise, and he began to pray. And he says, Take this news to the prophet Isaiah. Okay. Hezekiah, his name means whom the Lord has strengthened. But he goes and he says, call on Isaiah. And Isaiah, his name means Jehovah has saved. Isaiah chapter, Isaiah 37 verse 2. Then he sent Elikim who was over the household. Sebna, the scribe and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet the son of Amos verse 3 and they said to him so they're bringing report to Isaiah thus says Hezekiah this day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy for the children have come to birth but say, but there is what no strength to bring them forth we have a generation that they need a little bit of a push it may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the Rapshika whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God. Remember the threats and will rebuke the words which the Lord God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. The remnant. Church, we are the remnant. Amen. God is raising up a remnant. I have some amazing news to share with you about Gen Z. What what we are finding, and I did a whole conference about this recently, we are finding of, even though there's a smaller percentage of that generation that attends church and and is Bible-centered, what we are finding is that percent, though, is very, very, very dedicated. Very dedicated. Matter of fact, I have it somewhere in my notes. They actually have a name for that generation. And I'm going to declare that over our church right now, that this generation is that generation. I'll find it later. Okay. Oh, I didn't plan on saying it. So God is not, so God, what, what I believe is happening, we're seeing a, a, a separation. We're seeing the middle ground is a lot less of the lukewarm Christian, and we're seeing a, lot, a remnant raising up. Come on, a remnant raising up saying, I am Christ-centered, and nothing is going to change that. So even though the numbers might be less, it's a strong army. How many of you can have an army of a million people, but if they don't care and they don't try, they're not very good. You can have an army of 300. Come on, somebody. And if they are led by God, God can do amazing things. And so what we are seeing truly is in this generation of of Generation Z and millennials is the numbers might seem a little smaller, but they are mighty and they are dedicated to the cause, to the cause. All right. Here's what it says. I need you to see this. I'll get moving quicker here. The children have come to birth, and there's no strength to deliver. When I think of this, I think, and I shared this one other time, but in a whole different context. And my wife is right here today, and she's going to love me for this because I gave her no warning at all. No warning. Uh oh. But there are three stages to labor. And I have never experienced any one of those stages. Can I hear an amen from all the men in the house? We have no idea. None. But if you've been in the room or you've had children, you understand there's some things that happen in that room that I don't want to experience. But there's the early stage of labor. And in this stage, um, uh, this is the early stage when, when, you know, things begin to dilate and, and things like that. The early stage, I'll just use you. Heather, can I use you? She's, that's, a, that's a yes. Okay. <laughs> that's a yes. We'll talk about it later kind of yes. But there's the early stage. and you know, Heather could still walk around, and we went on walks, and we did stuff still together. She could still go shopping. Uh, there's the early stage. But as that stage begins to develop, her walking changed a little bit, right? And, and, and the kids began to grow on the inside. But it's the early stage. It's, it's when you, you, you can walk, but you know that something is happening. You can sense something happening. How many know right now in your spirit, you almost can say, I sense something happening in this church in America that, that Jesus is coming soon? If you are a, a Bible-centered believer, 48%, then you will sense it, that something's happening. That there are going to be millions of people coming to Jesus Christ, but there's also going to be a lot of people who are, I call them, or players who are going to kind of, right, just kind of disappear. But God is going to raise up a remnant. A remnant. Yes. Active. So stage one is the early stage. You feel things moving. We had big babies in our, in our family. So they were already probably pretty big. We're talking like 9, 10, almost 11-pound babies. Yeah, big ones. (laughs) But the baby is growing. That's the first stage. The the next stage, things start to change. It's called the pushing stage. Somebody say that with me. Pushing stage. That's when you get to the hospital. Now, stage one is long. It's the growth. But finally, there comes a day, it's the pushing stage. And, you know, I remember that very well, Um, being there in the hospital. I remember one of our daughters were born during the Super Bowl destiny, and how many know that TV had to get turned off at a certain point? I mean, it was on, but as Heather began to push a little bit more, I had to find that remote control uh, with some encouragement and turn off the game, right? You know, come on. But the doctor comes in and, he wants me to help with this and, 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 and he wants me to help with the delivery. He actually let me help with the last part of the delivery and that was crazy and interesting and I didn't go to LaMaz class so I didn't know how to go tiki ho ho. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. I just knew catch it. Don't let it fall. Don't let it hit the floor. And everything in the early stage for the most part everything was pretty cool laid back. It was easy. But now this stage, things began to change a little bit. There was an urgency. Church, I believe that we are moving from the early stage to the push stage in the church. I sense in my spirit there's an urgency right now like never before. There's an urgency because people, men and women, saved and unsaved, people are going through some amazing stuff. People are going through, like that pastor I shared with you, people who are not saved. We, we just have a generation of confusion and church, the time is now. We can't wait any longer, amen? It's urgent. Yes. And remember what the word of the Lord said in Isaiah. It said, a generation has come, but there's no strength to push. We have to be strengthened by the word of God, amen? So that we can help push the vision and the mission of the church, amen? Yes. The doctor says, come in and, you know, get, come over here. And I remember I was holding my wife's hand big mistake. (laughs) Uh, By the second, by the third child, matter by the third child, instead of holding Heather's hand, I just stretched out my hand uh, in the name of Jesus, help her, in the name of Jesus. I decided not to hold her hand anymore. You know, the contractions would hit and she would, you know, she held my hand, her head spun around three times. She began to Say thing. I said, in the power of Christ, compa-. no, I'm kidding. But the doctor was like, all right, come stand right here. It is time to push. Now, as a man, I don't know exactly what that means, but I know it had to be very hard for all the ladies in the house. We should give you a big round of applause. This should be a Mother's Day sermon. This is a Mother's Day sermon in September. So we had the early stage it's easy. I believe there was a time for the church when overall it was pretty easy to be a Christian in the United States of America. But that's changing. You don't think so? You need to wake up. Rights are being taken away. I know as a pastor, I'm at these conferences, things that we are prepared for. I just help a national, I just, I was sat in some national meetings two weeks ago. We are actually rewriting some bylaws. Uh, so I, I got a chance to sit in there, we're rewriting bylaws to protect the church about some things. We have to be very aware that if we are not Christ-centered now, it's going to be harder and harder and harder. We have to disciple. We have to engage. Amen? And I need everybody to help push. I can't just have four people giving to things or serving things. I need, we need everyone to give and to serve. When it comes to worship, how much it's amazing! I love when the whole church engages in worship. It's the, the, the 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 level of worship in this house is amazing. Can you imagine if only one person decided to sing on Sunday and everybody else watched? It's a concert. Amen. We are worshiping our state. All right, I'm getting way off this whole pushing thing. So, pushing stage. All right, what happened? I know enough. I don't know a lot, but I know a little bit because I'm a learned man. The baby begins to be in position, hopefully. And now the mother has to bear down on what is happening. Somewhere all you moms had to find the strength to do this. I mean, I don't know where you get it from, but it's somewhere deep down inside. I got to get this baby out. Amen? I got a couple amends amens from the ladies. Guys, don't amend that. You don't know it. it's... I don't either. But she's tired, right? For months, her back's been hurting. Things have been feeling out of, out of order. But now the moment has come, she has to have the strength to push. And everything in her mind, at that moment, Heather was, did not care about what was in our refrigerator. She did not care if my football team was winning. She did not... How many know? All she thought about was i got to get this baby out. That's kind of what her voice, no I didn't, I'm just kidding. But her focus was on what? That. She wasn't distracted by anything else because if she had been distracted, it just wouldn't have been as easy. It was already very, very hard. And I think sometimes we are so distracted by the things of this world, we forget why we are put on this earth. I read this other stat, and I didn't put it up there today, that less than half the church even knows where to find the Great Commission in the Bible. And so we understand that the Great Commission is we are to go what, win the loss, reach the loss, right? That we are put on this earth to show the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. And so we have to push. See, because, listen. We have to get ministry out. We have to get the calling out. We have to, and how many know the enemy wants to abort the dreams that God has put in our hearts? There are many of you in this room, at one point, God put a dream in your heart for something or for someone, maybe a ministry. But along the way, because the enemy says, you can't do this. You remember when the enemy came to the king and says, Stop, you have no chance of winning this battle. You might as well give up. I mean, we, the, the devil comes to abort the dreams of the church. You might say, well, one time we thought we were going to have a great big ministry. We are going to be doing all these things. And you know what? Along the way, it's this things didn't go our way. And I guess we're just, no, I don't want to have that mentality. I want to say God still has something great for your life, for our life, for our church, for America. Amen? And because the enemy does have a plan to abort things. The enemy wants to... To, to abort the dreams, the, the passion, the drive. But if we, don't church, if we don't push, church, if we don't push, that then this will be a day of trouble, and we will have to say, Houston, we have a problem. But I believe that God is raising up a remnant. Amen. I said at the beginning, I will never give up on believing that God is raising up a remnant. Last stage is the delivery stage. We'll end with this, of course, because this is whew, the good stage. This includes the delivery of a baby. But I got to be honest, this is PG-13, but guess what? Out comes the baby, which is what? A blessing. Amen. I love that that little baby comes out and after they clean it up or I don't even care. It's a blessing. You're like, "Oh my goodness, that was in there all that time?" That's a blessing. But guess what comes out with the baby? A lot of waste. The placenta all kinds of other goop, for lack of a better word. It's messy. It's not always pleasant. to the, How many know, as God bursts things in a new generation, come on, somebody. It, it, it's a, the blessing is seeing somebody's life transformed. But how many know, when God brings new people, new Christians to the house of God, it can be a little bit messy sometimes. Because sometimes with the blessing comes a little bit of their mess. It's the delivery stage. I remember the doctor handed me the cords, I mean the the scissors, and he's like, cut the cord. I was like, which cord? (laughs) No, I think I got it right because they're all here. Hallelujah. But I want you to follow me as we close. When you're pushing, whatever is in you will come out. See, sometimes waste has to come out of our life before we can receive a blessing. Amen? many know. sometimes waste has to come out of our life before we can be in position to receive the blessing. God is getting some things out of us now that has been stopping us from doing what God wants us to do. God is raising up a remnant of people. And I talked about Gen Z. We're seeing a remnant, even though the number is lower, we're seeing a very dedicated number. That they, they, don't want, they don't want anything fake. They don't want games. They don't want any hype. They just want the truth and they want something that has a cause attached to it. That we're doing this because there's a reason for it. Not just because it's what I was told to do or what I... No, they're doing it because this is what I have to do because this is who I am, my identity. You understand that? Would you, would you stand with me? And I, I want to ask ourselves this question as, as in all of our lives... As we identified, we identified there, there is some problems. But the goal is to get people home to Jesus Christ, amen? In that movie, Apollo 13, they, they, first they said, we have a problem. But then they begin to find, they put their heads together. They begin to find a way to, to get these three boys back home. They said no matter what it costs, no matter what it takes, we won't sleep for days, we won't eat for days. We have to find a way to get them home. Failure is not an option. Church, we have to find a way to get all the prodigals home. Amen. We have to find a way to get our loved ones home. And I mean home, they have to find the way to Jesus. Failure is not an option. Giving up. Church, it is time that we have to push. We have to put our energy and our resources towards something and say, God, I'm believing. I'm going all in with you on this one because there's no other option. There's no other way. The easy stage, I love that because, you know, things grow and it's fun to watch but there comes a point where we have to push. You know, I met someone years ago who was later in life and Meaning, well, they're older than me and Scooby-Doo. <laughs> but this person felt called to be a missionary from the time she was a little girl. She said, I- I've always felt like I was supposed to be a full-time missionary. My whole life. And I know me and Heather prayed for her about God, finding, giving her resources about being a missionary. And she knows who it is, and, and, and we love this person. But a long life, there's been a lot of things to kind of block the dream. The enemy has tried to abort the dream. And there's been things that, in her own life, how I many know, sometimes it's it's something things that we allow in our life that block the dream. And so, in her life, she's never yet, and I'm going to say that that won't happen because I still believe it will happen. She has not, it's been, I don't know, maybe 40 years. We've known her a long time. She's not yet been able to do what she feels called to do, and that is to be a full-time missionary. Because she says, there's things in my life that I'm still needing to get over, to get through. How do I me mean, know, God's calling's still there. Amen? God doesn't say, well, you're done. I'm giving up on you. He says, no, I'm, we're just waiting. But church, the urgency is now. We don't have much time to wait. Because we have a generation that needs to find this church, and I speak this as a pastor who was around other pastors for the last two weeks, and I was sitting there in the room going, like, man, I feel like our church is fully on board. I feel like that you you all have that same mindset. Like, we're so excited to see a generation being used and raised up. Amen. I love that we have different. Sorry, guys, a couple of age, a couple of different generations on the stage. I don't mean to look at Dennis and Willis. And sorry. But I love that we have, aren't, aren't you thankful for that? That we, we That's what we want. But there's more work to be done. Let's just take a moment, and we're going to end with a, actually, I'm going to show a last clip of this movie. But I want to pray over you right now. And if there's something in your life that's blocking, and you know it, you say, God, there's an area in my life that needs to be pushed out. Something that I, I, I got to tell you that every single week, God lays something in my heart. He's like, you need to you need to re, readjust you need to correct this you need to get back to the center of the word of God and make this your foundation I would ask that while we're just praying right now would you just ask the Lord if there's something in your life that needs to be pushed out that's blocking the blessing something that's that waste just say God give me the strength give me the game plan whatever it is god I ask for your strength right now to help me through this season maybe you're feeling down maybe you're feeling like you're 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 not important or you don't have a place god has a place for every single person in this room a place of influence you will meet people that I will never meet that heather will never meet that that destiny you will meet people that you influence much greater than we do And Father, now I do also pray as we ask you to search our hearts, search our lives, that we would, God, every day live life intentionally with purpose. I, God, I pray for our business leaders. I pray for our, our, our police officers. I pray for our teachers. I pray for our, our volunteers. I pray for our, our workers out in the in the business world, God. I pray for our retirees. I pray for our students. I pray for our college students who are away at school right now. Every single person has influence that we would live life intentionally. Every conversation, God, could be that one conversation to change somebody's life. Maybe that person who is contemplating suicide, contemplating an affair, contemplating giving up on God. Maybe our words could change the direction of their life. So Lord, I pray that we would handle every day with integrity, with intentionality, and with purpose. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you go ahead and show that last clip and then we'll go out with some praise. And I believe there might be a few last words. All right. You captured the moment. Amen. When those people come back, we will celebrate. We will celebrate all day long. Amen. God bless you.